yes, um, I'm gonna call the time five forty-two. I will do roll call. Loretta Mellon. Present. Richard Harvey Jr. Present. Lucia Angel, Neha Banger, B. Franks Walker, Eric Murphy will not join us tonight. Mark Smith. Here. Derek Turner. Here. Ali Yesin. Present. We have a quorum. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, well, good evening, everyone. Well, um, I just wanted to let everyone know that uh, we're, we're going to accept the resignation of Neha B uh, Banger and Richard, not Richard, I'm sorry, Eric Murphy. And um, just wanted to let you know that uh, we have some new people that are interested. And one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Heather, she'll be joining us next month. That correct? Heather? We'll be reviewing. We'll be reviewing their oh. application next okay. month, and and possibly others. We'll see if we have any others at that. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Perfect. Okay, great. And that's all I have for this evening. Okay, shall we go ahead and go on to item B? And uh, this is to approve the minutes from our October. Well, our, we're not doing that, are we? Yes. Oh, we are? We're still doing yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's the okay. minutes from the October, the last meeting. That we didn't have? No, we had, we had the meeting. Oh, yet. okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Okay, yes. Um, so I, we're going to approve the meeting from October 11th and then to adopt the resolution authorizing remote teleconferencing meeting pursuant to AB 361. Can I get someone uh, to um, motion this? I, um, um, I say the mo uh, motion to adopt a resolution authorizing remote teleconferencing. And then, uh, Mark, you have the option to make a joint motion to approve the minutes and adopt the resolution. Would you like to make that motion or? Yes. Okay. Um, I second. Okay, I will do roll call. Loretta Mellon? Present. I am sorry. Um, can you, um, <laughs> I got stuck. I'm sorry. Um, I will call your name for the vote and please say yes or no. Loretta Mellon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. Derek Turner? Yes. Ali Yesin? Yes. The motion pass. Thank you, Brenda. Okay, and item C is our report from our medical director, Dr. Francis. Hello, everyone. Um, I had promised uh, to just review the results of the 2022 homeless count uh, when the full report came out, and we have some of those results, so I want to do that with this time. Uh, so, um, you know, I think the big picture is that very little has changed other than it's just generally gotten worse since the 2019 count. So um, here is um, the, the, um, the trend over the last five years in the numbers of unsheltered and sheltered people experiencing homelessness. So now you see we're up to almost 10,000 people total um, at a given point in time experiencing homelessness in Alameda County, and you can see the numbers of unsheltered homelessness are just growing um, really fast, um, as are uh, the numbers of sheltered homelessness, but, you know, they remain much, much smaller. Damon, who did these, um, who did this survey? Uh, this is, this is the um, required federal survey um, that every community that receives uh, funding from the um, Department of Housing and Urban Development has to do. Um, so it was led by Everyone Home, which um, operates our continuum of care, which is which is the structure that HUD funds locally, and um, and some consulting uh, teams that were uh, engaged by Everyone Home. And it included, you know, the people who actually went out and did the count included hundreds of volunteers uh, from around the from 
County, including Heather and myself and the director of healthcare services agency and people who work for, you know, all kinds of um, agencies. Maybe some of you participated uh, as well in the count. So that's who, the, that's who does the count on a regular basis. And we yeah. use this uh, part of our strategic planning process. And so this is just the same, the same version of the count in 2022 that, um, that was done in 
Um, there are specific counts of veterans that are included. I didn't, I didn't summarize them here, but if you look at the um, report itself, you can see the proportion of veterans in the overall population. It's a small proportion, and even if every single veteran had PTSD, I don't think it would account for most of the 42% of people in the survey who reported having yeah. PTSD. Do, do we, do we, as a medical group, do we identify those who might be veterans, and therefore might be uh, eligible for actual veteran care at a veteran um, hospital facility, uh, therefore uh, relieving us of some burden of treating some of those patients in that category? Yeah, I think that burden is minor. I'm not aware of any proactive yeah. problem to do that, but I say that you know, most of our providers have trained in the veteran system and are aware of the fact that veterans have access to those benefits, and we have a pretty active local VA in Oakland as well as in San Francisco. So I would doubt that there's any big missed opportunities there, Mark, um, for veterans to, to, to get care at the VA. Okay. Yeah. All right, did you have a question as well? No, 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 I'm fine. Thank you. Um, so, I, again, I don't think this is a substantive change from 2019. You know, we have very high rates of um, chronic illnesses of all sort and disabilities of all sort among, you know, people experiencing homelessness. Uh, um, um, Damon, one more question. The 14% um, traumatic brain injury, um, how how does your, uh, how does your group uh, actually um, – Define a traumatic brain injury. It um, and what is the source of those possible injuries? Is it uh, people falling or um, uh, accidents or how, how how would you characterize uh, people that have been identified as suffering from traumatic brain injury? So this is self-reported. Um data from the survey. So as part of the homeless count, there's a group of people who go out and just administer surveys to a subset of the people, not to all 9,700 people, but to a subset of people. And those folks self-report conditions. And then um, based on the proportion of responses, that's the, that's the proportion that you see here, or the percentage you see here. So 14% of the people surveyed reported that they themselves had traumatic brain injury. Okay. Um, in of, um, in terms of the medical definition, I think this is probably something that's underdiagnosed and underreported um, generally among you know clinical groups around the country, and probably that's the case here. Although I haven't done any any you know specific study of it at this location, but other other um, experts in in um, homeless medicine have done that kind of work. Um, and yeah, it's typically an injury to the brain that you know is. Um, that causes some dysfunction and that is associated with either an accident or an assault, um, but some sort of traumatic injury to the head. Okay, thank you. Damon, um, was the 30% for drug and alcohol abuse, is that included in the 49% um, of psychiatric and emotional conditions or did they make an attempt to separate those? None of these are mutually exclusive, so presumably many people who are in one category are also in other categories okay. or having any illnesses. So, yeah, I, I don't know to what extent they, they overlap, um, okay. but I'm sure that they do to some extent. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, of course, that's common, right? I think the, that you know, it's, really, it's really more the norm for someone with drug and alcohol abuse to have um, to have depression, to have PTSD, or to oh, have yeah. some other psychiatric disorder. It's not, it's not as common when having isolated substance use disorder, even or our system in some ways is defined to sort of separate, in ways that separate those issues. Um, I think kind of what's underlying your question is, you know, this idea of co-occurring disorders, which is, of course, the baseline, really. Right. All right, Brenda, you can take me to the next slide. Um, so this also is relatively unchanged from 2019 that black people experience the highest burden of homelessness by far. So we're 10% of the population in Alameda County, but 43% of the population of people experiencing homelessness. Um, you can see um, similar disproportionality um, among Native Americans and um, among Latinx folks, um, and also actually among the, the um, white population where it's, you know, smaller rates of the general population than it is among 
at some of the numbers here. Um, these are not exactly overlapping with Alameda County, but um, they're the National Low Income Housing uh, Coalition does these analyses of different metropolitan areas, and so the area that we're in um, that we primarily overlap with is the San Francisco, Oakland, Hayward metropolitan area, which has 180,000 extremely low income households and only has 60,000 rental units that are affordable to those households. So that leaves a shortage of 120,000 rental units. This uh, analysis was as of, I think, the, the year 2000. Um, and these yeah. the shortage is getting worse um, and you know, has been tied in numerous academic studies now. The sort of affordable housing for extremely low income people is, is one of the most important predictors of um, homelessness. Um, across the country. And so this is really the, the major kind of underlying factor that's getting worse um, that is related to, to homelessness getting worse. I have, a, I have a question that you may not be able to answer, um, but um, I, can, I, can, I can look at my own community uh, here in Berkeley, and as, as some of you probably already know, uh, that there was basically a requirement by um, the state of California to meet uh, certain um, uh, a certain um, housing level for each community in terms of uh, newly built housing, and uh, Berkeley is trying to fulfill that requirement. Uh, so we have a lot of built building going on everywhere. Uh, I, I I'm not uh, I'm not familiar with Oakland and um, the other parts of the Bay Area as to uh, what's required of those communities in terms of uh, the uh, goal, in terms of reaching a certain housing, quote unquote, new, new built housing levels. But my question is, do we have any idea about um, uh, what, what the state is requiring in terms of overall uh, supply of new housing to be built? Uh, for those areas uh, which we're talking about, and um, is there really any new building going on, and do we expect these numbers to change if, if in fact, uh, some of those housing requirements are being met? Yeah, I think I'll take the opportunity to say that I think that's outside of the scope of what I'm presenting on and, and what I'm an expert in, but I do think that we can ask... Um, we can ask our colleagues from the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination to come and review. There's been a lot of activity in that area, what the state mm -hmm. policies are around cities doing housing development. So why don't we put that question to someone who's in a much better position to answer it than, than I am and at a place on the agenda where it can get uh, you know a full kind of discussion. No problem. I, I know that the city and the county also have their own requirements. Um, for example, I know Fremont is trying to um, minimize the uh, permit problem or, you know, the length of time it takes to get uh, permission to build. They're trying to fast track that so that they can build more low-income housing. And uh, there's also another huge uh, lot up in Rockridge area in Oakland that um, they want to build, I, I think it was a Walmart or something in that area. And it's a huge, huge uh, piece of property that could be so perfect for apartments and low income, et cetera. And so there is a huge uh, protest against that. So I don't know. Like I said, every city and every state have their own uh, rules and monetary amounts that they have to work with. Yeah, and I love that you all are connecting this issue to the homeless count because I think it's it's absolutely connected. Um, and, uh, and again, I think we can invite some colleagues from the housing world to, um, you know, to talk about um, talk about what's going on locally and also what's happening at the state level because there's a lot of activity in this mm -hmm. area that I can't keep track of, but I think is worth figuring out. You know, what, how does it relate to what we do? Yeah, um, I think it might be the last slide, Brenda. Maybe go forward one more. Um, yeah, just a summary slide. So homelessness continues to rise rapidly in our community. Um, okay. Characteristics of the homeless population are pretty consistent with the 2019 count. Lots and lots of chronic illness, 75% of people homeless for more than a year. Um, so this, this is not, you know, this population of folks in the, in the HUD count are, are people who really are homeless for quite a long time. 
Um, and, you know, that, that the drivers of homelessness, the main driver of lack of affordable housing for people with low incomes um, is, you know, absolutely still there and still, and still getting worse. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I'll um, take any other questions you guys have about this topic and then just one other brief announcement, um, and then I'll conclude my report. But any other questions on the homeless count first? The announcement that I wanted to make was um, that uh, we will be having, uh, our community will be having the, um, oh, I, get, I forget the name of the event now, but the memorial that we do on the winter solstice every year on December 21st. And um, some of you may have heard that um, a really important member of our community, Wendy Jackson, who was the um, director of the East Oakland Community Project, uh, passed away just in the past couple weeks. Um, she was a really amazing person. Um, she, you know, among like all the things she did, I came into contact with her. We were on the leadership board of Everyone Home together, and she was a huge champion for um, the voice of people experiencing homelessness on that board and really being considered in our decision-making processes. And, of course, she was just a really tremendous partner to us at Alameda Health System, really helping us develop some of the first respite programs in Alameda County. Um, in partnership between Alameda Health System and EOCP, but that's just like a sliver of what she's done. Um, and um, I would just love if, you know, as many of you as possible could attend the, um, the celebration on, uh, uh, and the, the memorial service on, on 2021, on, sorry, the, on the uh, December 21st um, solstice, because Wendy will be honored there along with, you know, remembering all the folks in our community who've passed this past year um, while they're, you know, without a home. Um, Did you say November, November or December 21st? December 21st. December 21st. Okay. We'll make sure to send out, you know, we'll make sure to send out more information as the specifics become available. It'll be a virtual event. Okay. Oh, it will. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Damon. Okay. Um, item D. This is an action item, and um, we're taking nominations for chair and vice chair uh, for next year. Um, yeah, you're going to fly so fast, right, Sheila? <laughs> it does. I know. I feel like you all just submitted your nominations and did your votes. But, yep, it's that time of year again um, for folks that weren't here with us last November and for our new CAB member every November, the CAB um either their self-nominations or nominates other CAB members for the position of chair, which is what Loretta's in, and vice chair. Um, so both positions, um, well, I guess I'll give a little bit of detail maybe about like what each position does maybe. Um, so as the chair, Loretta kind of leads these meetings and also helps um, with planning the agenda. And then Richard as vice chair, steps in if, um, say, Loretta or the chair was unable to perform her duties on, you know, a normal meeting, so he would step in as a vice chair to lead the meeting, um, and then also helps with agenda planning, too. So that's just a little bit of detail about what those positions do, so you get some ideas, but feel free to ask questions. Um, but what we do at this meeting in November is submit nominations, and then in December, the CAB will have the opportunity to vote on those nominations. And the position starts on January 1st and will continue through December 31st of 2023. Yep, that's next year. Um, because the current positions yeah. are ending, or the term for the current positions are ending on December 31st this year. There isn't a limit on the number of terms, so current um, vice chair and chair, if they wanted to either self-nominate or someone else nominate them, could do so again for the next year. Um, but I don't know, I don't know if, um, Loretta or Richard, you want to talk about what the position does? I don't know if that would be helpful just so people understand. Um, I don't know if that would be helpful. I think you pretty much covered it, Kayla. Um, the one thing that I've had the advantage of is I've been able to attend several events where because i'm not working you know that's the only reason where i know a lot of people can't necessarily because of the conflict of uh, work and and so forth 
but um, it's it's really what you said, you know, um, just going over the agenda, suggesting things that we want to put on the agenda, and um, recruiting new members, things like that. I agree. Um, you covered it pretty well. Um, only thing I would add is just being willing and able to speak um, for different platforms, two different mm -hmm. platforms. Um, that's the only thing that additionally I would touch on. And uh, being a representative of the CAT. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. So thank you. Thank you both. Um, so, Generally, we also give an opportunity for those that are nominated or self-nominate to talk about why they would want the position. I know last year we did that in November, but I just thought maybe I'd propose the idea of having that in December. So then, you know, the reason why someone wants to, you know, have one of these positions a little closer in mind to the actual vote. Um, and I guess this action item, but the action here doesn't require a motion or anything, just requires either a member to self-nominate um, or nominate a fellow member. We don't need a motion or a second on that. Um, but I guess I'll open it up there for chair first. Um, any self-nominations or nominations of chairman or fellow board members? I'd like to nominate myself again. <laughs> any other nominations for chair? Okay, hearing none, I think last year we allowed folks that weren't present to throw their name in too if they wanted to, so I think we could probably do the same this year. And I think having folks that give them the opportunity to speak about why they want the position in December might fit better with that too. Um, but okay, so I'll move on to Vice Chair. Do we have any self-nominations or other nominations of other board members? I'll nominate myself. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Okay, um, so for now we have a nomination for chair, which is Loretta and Vice Chair Richard. So far there aren't any others um, that have been nominated or self-nominated, but we'll Still have an opportunity for other folks to put their name in and for both Richard and Loretta to, you know, say why you'd like to um, be voted for in these positions again for next year, the 2023 term um, in December. So, yeah, that's all we have for tonight. That's the action. Thank you all. Thank you, Kayla. Yeah. Okay, uh, item E is the strategic plan report. We're going to hear from Damon. Annette. Thanks so much. This is just our quarterly report back on how the strategic plan is going um, and our chance to review, you know, what our top priorities are in our plan and, and um, what some of the early milestones were that we we're aiming at and where we are on those. Um, so, Brenda, you can go ahead and go to the first slide there. Um, so, I think everyone remember our first goal is maximize the care that people experiencing homelessness receive for acute and chronic illnesses at the earliest opportunity and in the locations and settings that work best for them. And again, this was really tied to our theme of drop-in, that you know, <laughs> when people were able to come in without an appointment, they were able to get services that work for them you know, at the earliest moment in, in the course of when they thought they needed care. Um, and so a lot of our milestones were tied to the Bridge Clinic and to Mobile Health um, early on, where we already have some drop-in services available, and we were trying to either expand the amount of that service or expand the scope of that service. Um, so um, we have successfully added Bridge Clinic to the HRSA scope well before our actual um, anticipated date for that. Um, and we're now in the process of developing a rate-setting plan with the um, Alameda Health System Finance Team. So when you add a new site um, to, the, to the federal scope, that allows you to receive um, this, uh, the, it essentially allows you to cover all the costs of the service or many of the costs of the service via this thing called the prospective payment system. 
and that really, really helps us um, sustain the services for people experiencing homelessness and for, you know, for other folks um, that we serve in the outpatient system and Alameda Health System. So this rate-setting plan is going to be really critical to be the financial backbone of providing this um, expanded service at the Bridge Clinic um, sustainably going forward. Um, so that's, that's something that's in process and that we'll keep reporting back to you on as we, um, as we move through that. Um, then the other thing we had was um, the expansion of the um, dental services on mobile health. So that was something we really wanted to make sure that we had some availability of dental services out in the community. Um, Heather's been working a lot on this, and maybe I'll let Heather summarize our progress uh, there. She's okay doing it. I, we're talking about the dental services. Um, specifically, we were able to hire the dental assistant. I'm sorry if I'm repeating things. I was also just looking up the subrecipient agreement for a moment, so if I got distracted. Um, uh, we're working on increasing the dentistry, the, the actual clinical services available on the dental van, and so we've gotten a lot of equipment to do that. We've going, been going through processes to ensure that we are following the right steps to make sure things are um, will, will prevent infection, so infection control. <laughs> One of the items that we purchase is an x-ray item, and so there are a lot of rules and regulations around x-rays, and so we're making sure that that's all clear and that we're following all those rules and regulations and getting the proper permissions. And so we are going to be seeing additional services provided to patients via mobile in the field very, very soon. We have done very limited um, oral exams, expanded from what we were initially doing, um, but we, we will see even greater uh, clinical exams coming soon once we have full clearance for both the dental cleaning unit as well as the x-rays. So those are the things that are coming up pretty quickly, I would say, early January. We should see those things happening. Um, and then the expansion, that we got the grant to expand to secure a half-day session at Highland on Wednesday afternoons. Um, that's going to be included in our subrecipient agreement um, as well that we'll talk about a little bit later. And essentially, that grant is to hire a community health outreach worker who's going to support the patients who are scheduled in to that clinic that are exclusively patients experiencing homelessness um, to make sure that they can make it to those appointments and to remove any barriers those patients <laughs> might have to go get to those appointments. Um, so that's primarily what that is. And it's worth roughly $50,000 or so is what we'd ask for to hire that community health outreach worker who will be um, at about a point six, so a little bit more than half time for that half-day clinic session per week. Um, I think that there's a later slide that will show a little bit more detail on it. Thanks, Heather. Um, and, you know, you've already seen in the program report, um, we're tracking um, regularly the numbers of folks we're seeing at the Bridge Clinic, the numbers of folks experiencing homelessness we're seeing at the Mobile Health Dental Clinic. So you can see those numbers already um, in terms of integrating the measures that we talked about in our strategic plan and regular process. Um, the other goal that we had or milestone we had was to develop additional budget proposals to expand drop-in services. And at the time that um, the Quality Board adopted the strategic plan, we left this TBD, the date, um, one of the things that's happening in this area that hasn't involved um, additional budget proposals but has involved, you know, I think what we can do under this budget is that we've started providing drop-in addiction treatment services at a syringe exchange site in partnership with the uh, HIV Education and Prevention Project of Alameda County, which is really, really exciting. So we've been out uh, the last two weeks now um, starting to provide services. I think this last Thursday, we gave the first prescription for um, medically assisted treatment um, out of the site, but we've seen a number of patients for a number of other um, concerns and conditions at the syringe exchange site. And um, we're really looking forward to learning more from this early phase through the end of the year and then trying to figure out how we can bring, um, you know, uh, more services, possibly hepatitis 
C treatment, you know, really high impact services, and expand the you know the number of hours or the amount of people that we can serve with this uh, with this new part of our uh, mobile health program. So hopefully that will turn into a, a budget proposal that you know that that has a meaningful amount of expansion in it as well um, coming up. But that's the that's the update for um, goal one of the strategic plan. I, I maybe we'll take questions or comments on this area before moving to the next area. I have a question. Um, in the last part, uh, the additional budget proposal to expand drop-in to be decided, um, the last point in the right-hand column, uh, later phases of the project will explore broadening service offered. Um, and you present an example of Hep C treatment in hours. I was wondering what other treatments uh, that that may fall under that um, for 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 the drop-in. Yeah, so this is that that bullet is in reference to the bullet above, which is for these drop-in addiction treatment services. Um, and I think it will depend really on what our clinician who's out there is seeing in the field. Um, so you know, it'll it will offer what people are asking for. You know, like we're we're going to be assessing the needs um, over time. You know, we know this population has a high proportion of people who are infected with hepatitis C, and that's why that's one example that we think we might, you know, be what we might want to offer. Um, but outside of that, I think we're really open to just seeing what the needs are among the population and trying to design the service on the basis of that. We really do want to do as much as possible. So I think our hope is really to be able to provide something as close as possible to primary care on site. Um, and um, for people to feel like they can get connected with, you know, a provider who can really be their regular, you know, provider um, when they're going to the syringe exchange site. Um, but I think early on we'll have to figure out what's the highest priority clinically, you know, to, to, to work on. Um, and so we'll, it, it, as, as we develop this, we'll have answers to those questions that are based on the needs that we see out there. Thank you. Great, Brenda. Let's go to um, goal two. So goal two is uh, ensure sustainable funding and infrastructure to support existing and expanded services. And I think this is an area where we still are behind on the on the milestones that you know we set out for ourselves. So our intention was to recruit a new cab member that had financial expertise. In part, that's why Heather's going to go at six thirty to the um, <laughs> to the board, you know, to see if they have folks that they would recommend to us. Um, but um, I think this is an area that we really we really could use some support on. So if any of you have ideas, again, you know we're really we're we're really trying to figure out how we can identify the revenue that supports the work that we want to do and and make sure that our services are able to sustainably grow. Um, the second area is a, a dedicated financial analyst time for the homeless health center. Um, I listed this as partially complete. You all have met John Minot. He's been here a couple times and presented, and he's the one doing the analysis of alternative, alternative payment methods and supplemental funding. Mm -hmm. um, he's not necessarily specifically dedicated to the Homeless Health Center in any um, official sort of sense, but we're collaborating on a number of projects together, and he's, you know, he's been really available to us, really interested in what we're working on and really supportive of our work. And, and so I do think that in a lot of ways, he's fulfilling part of this. I think we, we do still need some support just um, in looking at the basics of our um, HRSA-mandated budget and, um, and you know, having an analyst that can help us translate the AHS finances as they're reported um, to the structure, you know, of the Homeless Health Center. And so that's, I think that's a thing, that's, that's why this is only partially complete and not complete, and that won't be John's role to do going forward. Um, so we still want to track and make sure that we have, you know, someone who's dedicated to support us in that way. Um, and then we have TBD for, you know, particular types of analyses that we didn't define at the time of adopting the plan, which are trying to compare our projected allowable costs to the revenue at sites and figure out if we should try to go for rate changes that allow us to bring in more money to cover the costs. Um, and really, that analysis as well as the analysis of supplemental revenue sources really depends on that collaboration with, you know, Dr. Mack and our, our, our new ACMO who you've met and, um, and uh, our CFO. Um, um, and we'll, you know, come back to you all, I think, 
as a group to talk about um, these two areas in, in more detail. Um, I can prepare also for questions. Uh, Damon, I have a question. Um, the the, um, the, the uh, financial analysis um, under July 2022 is partially completed. Um, I forgot the gentleman's name. You mentioned it just a second ago. Um, yeah. Um, uh, once once uh, this has been completed, uh, then basically our, our access to him would be um, would be zero uh, at, at, um, um, after the fact. No, I don't think it will be zero. Um, I I think in terms of having support for looking at uh, supplemental funding sources and looking at revenue strategies, I think our access is as as good as it could be. I think it's actually quite fantastic. And it's not codified in any specific way, but I don't really find that to be necessary. We're, we're collaborating in really fruitful ways. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, if we start to have more challenges in that area, I could come back and, and let you all know. But, you know, we've been really pleased with the support from Population Health and, and John on looking at these issues and, um, and know that he's eager to support us in a lot of ways. I think where we really need more support is on reporting budget versus actuals in a way that's meaningful for the homeless health center, which has to translate from the AHS finances. And that's not John's area. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's really working with Kim Rand, our CFO, and, and Grace and some other folks in her team um, who have just a ton of work that they've been doing a great job at. I think there's some things that we're going to be able to see soon, but we haven't completed this um, on the timeline that we set out for ourselves when we adopted the plan. Okay, and a follow-up question uh, uh, regarding a cab member with finance expertise. I was wondering whether or not it's possible, and this is a question to Heather as well, um, is it possible uh, that uh, a resource that we can look to or possibly look at uh, for recruiting such a person is a person who's worked in the past uh, um, in AHS who is um, possibly or recently retired, who'd be open to actually providing that for us? I think that's a great idea. I don't know if you have any specific individuals in mind, but I think that's something that Heather and I can take back and think about. Uh, I don't have anybody in mind, but I was thinking, um, you know, uh, people people work in hospitals eventually, uh, no matter what capacity they work in, eventually they do retire. Um, and there, it's possibly, I, I'm just thinking there might be somebody who, uh, who's had some financial dealings with the hospital in terms of um, uh, the position they were in when they were working uh, in AHS who uh, might be open to uh, at least uh, um, joining us to lend, their, um, uh, lend us their expertise.
just hasn't advanced as much as that we're, we're really, you know, Heather's covering dental and OMFS, you know, uh, practice manager roles. I'm still the interim medical director at Newark, have been the, you know, um, the primary care lead for, all, you know, all the medical directors at the wellness centers for a lot of this time. Uh, but I do think that this is an area that, you know, I'm really excited to work on more once, uh, once I'm able to, um, you know, pass on those responsibilities back to, you know, other folks who are permanently in those roles. And, and I think Liz had their support in doing the same thing.
grant they're gonna they're gonna wrap in the the grant that's for the expanded dental that we discussed just in the previous item that point uh, six uh, community health outreach worker so that's going to be rolled in as well um, in addition to that there's going to be significant capital funds included in this grant uh, primarily for the Eastmont expansion but some of it is also towards still towards the mobile um, the new mobile sprinter. So we did put a down payment on the sprinter van, but there are additional funds related to the sprinter that'll get paid out in this next contract that didn't get paid out in this contract. Um, the first year of the grant is gonna be roughly $1 million. Um, and again, that includes about $677,000 that goes towards staffing of the mobile clinic and of that community health outreach worker in the dental clinic at Highland. And the, the remainder is for capital expenses. And the expectation is that in that first year of the contract, we'll be expending those capital expenses um, for both the Sprinter van and the Eastmont expansion. And we'll hear more over time around what the specifics around the Eastmont expansion um, expenses will be. But capital equipment means specifically um, building and equipment so specifically to um, create the larger space um, or to, to buy the equipment that will be in those spaces. And then the second year of the grant um, will only include the around $677,000 that's related to the staff for the mobile unit and um, the community health outreach worker for dental. Are there any questions about it before um, we ask for a motion to approve the 2023 subrecipient agreement? So. Okay, so then we'll need a motion. Yes, common motion um, for the approval of the 2023 subrecipient agreement. I second it. Okay. To um, it was to approve the 2023 agreement, which is what she was just reading to us. Okay, so um, I'm sorry. Who did somebody um, motion make a motion to uh, approve it? I know you seconded it, uh, Mark. Yes, I second. Okay. I made a motion to approve it. Okay, Derek's going to make the motion to approve it. I'm sorry, did I jump the gun there? <laughs> a little bit. It's okay, Mark. You motion to move. Uh, I motion to approve. To move to approve uh, that 2023. Uh -huh. Lisa agreement. Agreement. Yeah. Again, and I second. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. And then, Brenda, would you mind taking a vote on that? Yes. Thank you both. I will call your name for the vote and please state yes or no. Loretta Mallon? Yes. Richard Harvey Jr.? Yes. Mark Smith? Yes. Derek Turner? Yes. Ali Yessing? Yes. The motion passed. Thank you. Yes. So this is our, our discussion, the program report. Heather? When Heather dropped off, so you guys will get the program report from me. Uh, oh, okay, sorry. That's uh, she's at the associate board meeting trying to help us recruit some new uh, co-applicant board members. Um, so uh, in the first area of uh, compliance and program requirements, um, we do have our clinical monitoring meeting um, that will be scheduled before the end of the year this year. We don't anticipate any big issues with that. We're still also wrapping up some of the um, 
finance documentation from the financial reporting meeting that we had. But as a reminder, we do four different meetings with our um, Healthcare for the Homeless colleagues uh, from the county who are responsible for overseeing our HRSA compliance in different areas, finance, governance, and administration, and clinical. Um, so we do, we do those four meetings once a year each. And so we're kind of on a good cycle now, and most of these are actually going, going pretty smoothly. Um, in terms of our scheduled reports for this month, um, you can see the utilization uh, charts below. Um, I don't think we need to go through them in detail. You have them in your packets. Um, we're, we're really kind of steady at around uh, 3,500 unduplicated patients. That's really, that's really usually the number that we're at, and we're not seeing a lot of growth in that overall number of patients that we've seen over the last 12 months. Um, you can go to the next slide. Um, and you can see you know, some kind of general slight upward trends in, uh, in some areas in terms of the numbers of people experiencing homelessness that we're serving across the system. But um, again, you know, staying pretty, pretty steady um, over that period of time. Go to the next slide. Um, this is just the uh, utilization data, which is again pretty steady from, uh, from the last reports that you've seen. Not a lot of changes to report here. Um, and this is the utilization, so the number of the number of visits. Um, we still really haven't gotten to the bottom of that uh, that large jump in uh, in March of the specialty utilization, um, but um, it's been steady since then. So we haven't really seen a, a lot of similar kind of bouncing around since that um, initial March number um, in the in the specialty care side. Here you can see where Mobile Health Band is, so that's in the um, kind of turquoise at the bottom, and then where the um, buprenorphine um, and substance use pain clinic is, uh, that's, that's the category that we use for bridge, that purple one, that is about, at about 200 and gradually growing up, so that's the number that we'll look as we you know, are able to expand funding for the bridge clinic and uh, hopefully see more patients there. We'll expect that number to, to continue to rise and rise at a, at a greater rate over time. Okay. Um, any questions on these, uh, just the utilization reports? All right, great. Uh, under leadership and advocacy, um, I think the you know, main thing is that we are still doing a lot of uh, coverage activities. So Heather still has a lot of roles with the vaccination clinic. She's now got a lot of coverage responsibilities with um, the dental and oral, oral maxillofacial surgery clinic. Um, she has really capped her coverage there for 90 days and does expect um, that um, there will be some alternate coverage plan or a new hire in place um, before the end of this calendar year. Um, I'm still covering the interim wellness uh, uh, Newark Wellness Center medical director role, although the position has been opened officially, um, which is great, and um, we have accepted some applications already for that position, so that's exciting, and um, hopefully by the end of the year also I'll be able to, um, to focus full-time again on the Homeless Health Center medical director responsibilities. Um, and uh, I think that's it for the program report, unless there's any questions. Um, I don't believe we have any public comment oh. Yes, I, Mark, go ahead. Oh, no, I just want to say um, it sounds like Damon's going to get some help, and I was, I just want to say I'm glad he's finally getting some help. Yes, absolutely. Dr. Mack being here has been fantastic. I think she's really stepped into that role, and so that was, that was a, you know, pretty large coverage responsibility. Um, the Newark team has been fantastic to work with. Um, they, you know, they have great leaders in, you know, nursing and the practice management area down there who've been there a long time and they have a really tight-knit clinic. Um, so it's been a good opportunity to learn what's going on, but I'm, I'm also, I'm also glad that, you know, we, we just have new people coming into the organization, new people
stepping up into leadership roles to you know to help us drive things forward. I think um, I think it's just really good for the organization to yeah to have more more leadership is a team sport. I always say, and I think um, to have uh-huh. really necessary for us and can help us grow in a good direction. And then I think yeah, I am really excited to kind of be able to spend more of my focus back on this co-applicant board and on you know thinking about how to advance our strategy. Uh, I, I do have a question before we adjourn. Um, I'm just wondering, um, and, and I don't do this often, uh, I think I've only done it one time, but uh, I'm just wondering, um, what's the correct procedure, really, um, just so everybody knows, um, the protocol for, uh, for getting something you want to talk about onto the agenda? And, and what's the best way to do that? I think communicating with the chair is um, always welcome. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Cause, uh, yeah, because there's some things I'd like to talk about that um, that are that haven't been on the agenda the last couple times, uh, a couple of meetings, and I I just wanted uh, I just wanted to clarify um, whatever procedure seems best to. Um, make that known to the chair yeah that'll work i'll just add to that too mark so the agenda gets posted um as you know the friday before so i think if you wanted to add something to it it'd be good to do it like a week in advance so it'd give us time to put it on the agenda um and if there's anything else that went along with it like a memo or something like that some time to prepare okay all right thank you yeah Okay. Any other co-applicant board member comments? Um, actually, a question. Yeah, uh, Mark. It's a trivial question, but uh, <laughs> has anybody has anybody decided what they're doing for Turkey Day? <laughs> hmm. I just I just thought I'd throw in something very trivial and kind of fun. <laughs> I'm always curious about what people do during their holidays. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to answer me to uh, at this. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just throwing something in there. <laughs> You can respond uh, toward Christmas if you like. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be nice when we're meeting in person again, Mark, for all Oh, of I know, us. right? <laughs> a lot easier, less Zoom social awkward, you know, it's easier to chat then. Oh, uh, well, you know what? Uh, I That's one thing I look forward to, and I hope it changes mm-hmm. at some point uh, that in the future that we all can meet together because... Uh, yeah. So, uh, if you think about it, uh, everybody who's been here from the beginning, if you think about it, it's been a long time since we've actually uh, mm-hmm. been in the presence of one another. Yeah, that's true. And I would really love uh, to see everybody. It, if I'm not mistaken, Kayla, maybe you can correct me. Is is February when they're thinking about starting that again? Yeah, so I think the, our first um, in-person meeting would be in March unless you know, the cab decided that it didn't want to approve that AB 361 and wanted to do sooner. Okay. Uh, but I think March would be when we don't have, you know, that waiver in the beginning. So we'll be planning to meet in person then. Okay, great. I, as I understand it, uh, as I understand it, um, I, I thought that actually was not <laughs> a decision for us to make. Uh, as, as, as far as I understand it, uh, that that's something that the county decides that uh, whether or not we as a co-opting board or uh, for that matter any board uh, with AHS um, is determined by the county as to whether or not uh, we can actually meet in person uh, due to medical protocol. Uh, so I, I think what they're referring to is the state of emergency for the governor is planning to um, Stop that! Can't think of the right word, but um, stop that. Lift, lift, thank you. Lift, great. Um, but the county can also make other restrictions on gathering. But I don't think there are. I'm not aware of any currently. Um, I mean, they have advice about gathering, and I think um, out of precaution.
and uh, at least one of the things cited in the memo, you know, we've or the board's elected to uh, do the AB 361, which is just an ability to meet um, remotely with relaxed teleconferencing rules. Just because where we would be meeting, I believe it's at the Highland Complex. I've never met you all in person, but um, yeah, my understanding is that it's at the Highland. Uh, mm -hmm. So you know, it's that's a healthcare facility. I think there's a little bit more risk there as we were seeing, you know, different variants come about. So that's that's my understanding that we've elected to do teleconferencing um, just because where the meeting place is in recognition of different variants that are going around. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we, the board wouldn't have that option come after the lift is done in February. The AB 361 won't be available. So, so in other words, in March, uh, it'll be solely up to us to decide whether we actually want to meet in person. Is that correct? Well, it's well, only up to us now. And in March, yeah. we have to meet in person again. Oh, we do. Yeah, yeah because we have, in order to stay compliant with California law, without the state of emergency. Boards like oh, yeah. to meet in person. So okay. right now, uh, we could decide to meet in person before then if we wanted to. Um, but in March, we'll have to meet in person again, actually. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I am too, Mark. Yeah, I haven't seen any for a long time. I know. I think it'll be nice. I'm here anyway, as you guys know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Now adjourned. Okay. Bye, Thank everybody. You, everyone. Have a good rest of your week. <laughs>